0: Wow. <laughs> All right. So no more stupid yeah. music talk.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Back to our precepts. Right. Our precepts? Or or is post-cepts. that like the other side of your bicep? Yeah, basically. <laughs> um Yeah, no. Socrates. 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 Yep. Yeah. I'm excited.
0: So I haven't talk- read any Socrates stuff since I was in high school. Oh yeah? Yeah, I read not all of the Republic, but I read like a chunk of it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, it's in, yeah, so we're going to talk about the apology today. Yeah, we're off, we're off of music. It was a, we'll, we'll probably come back to it at some point and do, yeah, maybe we'll keep it, (laughs) we'll keep it vague, right? Right. right. (laughs) And plausibly deniable. Um, (laughs) but, but, but yeah, yeah, AMX. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I wanted to, talk about this one in particular, just because, uh, well I have, I've, you know, (laughs) yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but I do feel like, you know, what we're doing is in the spirit of, of that. Yeah. And I kind of imagine we're probably
0: going to be in front of a bunch of judges pretty soon ourselves.
1: I think so too. And uh, yeah, given the fact that the Peloponnesian war just ended (laughs) and there's an oligarchy that was just, (laughs) you know, established and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's not looking good. No, not looking good for us. But it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I mean, uh, I don't know. I like, I like this one a lot. Just, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. But he is a silly character, and you know, it's just reading a little bit of background on Socrates Mm -hmm. and stuff, and you know, because basically, right, everything we know about Socrates is all through the translation or transcription, if you will, as a callback of Plato. And uh, Xenophon, I think, so two uh-huh. students. And people don't really read Xenophon. He's uh, kind of cast to the, to the wayside. But, you know, there's all this, obviously, controversy about who is Socrates actually and is he actually the person that's depicted? Right. Um, because, you know, we're getting Plato's, uh, you know, in, in at least most people's conception, it's all Plato's ideas of what Socrates was mm-hmm. and uh, and even the Xenophon Socrates is a little bit less ironic and sort of playful right um, but also Xenophon was like a, was like a, a a warrior and stuff so he's probably very stern anyway right. so yeah, I don't know it's just interesting because uh it makes you wonder how much of it and you know of course Plato's writing a lot of this after the fact so. You know, you have to almost assume that there's embellishment and everything like that. It's true.
0: It would be more impressive if he wrote it before the fact.
1: <laughs> That's right, as a precept.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, do you, so, a side question before we get going: uh, an old argument I used to hear a lot when I listened to a lot of atheist thinkers. Mm. People would argue about well, maybe Socrates didn't exist, or there's more, there's more evidence that Jesus existed than Socrates or something. And the atheist argument was always that it doesn't even matter if Socrates existed. There's nothing hinging on whether or not he was a real person.
1: Right. Oh, I see. Well, I don't understand why atheists would make that argument. Oh, because they, they say Socrates is a good moral guide? That you can no, no, no.
0: It's 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 usually Christians who would make that argument that
1: Socrates, like is a you good guys, guy. like Socrates, see, yes. right? And right, right.
0: there's less evidence that he existed, right? Right? right. And the that atheist argument is always that it doesn't matter whether or not he existed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just just an, uh, an interesting history that I have with Socrates, but yeah, I mean, I guess I I sort of agree. I feel like a lot of very old history I don't take particularly seriously in terms of sort of actually happening, it doesn't really matter to me.
1: hmm Yeah, yeah, in many ways it doesn't. Uh, just, you know, thinking of, like, Homer and the Odyssey and right. everything like that. I mean, that.
0: even what we read today, it strikes me as highly unlikely that this <laughs> is some kind of historical document.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although there are interesting corroborations with history in it, like all the references to... But you're mm-hmm. right, I mean, yes, as we've already said, I'm sure there's a lot of embellishment and theatrical... Aspects that Plato added, which right. is probably why Plato's writings have survived for you know yeah. two thousand plus years, and and yeah, because I mean, so Socrates was born like somewhere around like four seventy B.C.E. I think, mm-hmm. and then he died in like three ninety nine B.C.E. and he lived in an interesting era because he basically saw the height of Athenian democracy. Right, And then the fall of it after the Peloponnesian right, War right, and Sparta basically uh, installed an oligarchy, the, the tyrannical 30. There were two oligarchies actually that were installed. There was like a, a rule of like 400 and then there was a rule of 30. And mm. the rule of 30 was the most recent one that they were talking about in like 404 BCE. And right. the 400 one was like 411 BCE. And basically these were It's just, it was also interesting to think, you know, we talked about how democracy can sort of succumb to oligarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was also interesting because it was brought up in the case of Socrates' apology because of, you know, just showing how he has moral, uh, he he won't go along with the crowd essentially Mm -hmm. because they were trying to get him to execute somebody and and stuff. But, you know, to that point is there's, there's a lot of interesting history around here and actually to contextualize his death, even when I was reading about it, some people look at it as like, yeah, you know, he was obviously annoying, but there's also like, because he survived during the oligarchy and he stayed in Athens during the time that the oligarchs took over. Um, And during this time, it was very, very bad like I guess five percent of the Athenian population was killed and just a lot of barbarism was mm-hmm. occurring. People started to associate him with this because you know it was this question of how did he survive um, and one of his accusers was actually like his son died during that reign and mm. you know this was just this was just somebody on Wikipedia basically saying that that was a potential sort of reason that what was his name Lyson? Uh-huh. I can't remember. It's the L name. Right. Because uh, um, you have Meletus, who's like the main person that talks. You have mm-hmm. three main accusers. Right. There's an A name. I just suck at <laughs> Greek, so I don't even want to try to pronounce it. But there's a name that starts with an A, then there's Meletus, and then there's a name that starts with L. Nice. And, uh, and basically they're accusing Socrates of corrupting the youth and mm-hmm. not believing in God. And th- that's basically what he spends the chapters talking about, right. among other things, like how he, you know, how he came about doing his his thing and and why he's not going to run away and why mm-hmm. he's going to speak the way he does. Um, but it's just interesting, again, that uh, yeah, with all of these things, there's obviously greater context that can be added. And to that point of whether Socrates was a real person, uh, I agree, it doesn't really matter, but it. I don't know. It just also feels like <laughs> it actually feels like there's more evidence that Socrates was a person than Jesus in some ways. Well, but I mean, the, the, I <laughs> the Christian claim is that
0: there's more documents talking about Jesus than any other figure, like in the history of the world kind of a thing.
1: True. Primary documents, I guess, aren't there only, well, yeah, there's how many gospels? There's four gospels.
0: There's well, four main book ones, of acts. Right? There's a whole bunch of epistles. Mm-hmm. It's like 40 books.
1: So those are all the primary sources. I guess. I yeah. don't know. I mean, that's not bad. It's true. I mean, you have Xenophon and Plato for here. Right. But you have a lot from Plato. That's the other right. interesting thing. When you read, it's like when you look at his complete works, which I have here, it's like, you know, it's like 1,500 pages. Right. Not saying the Bible isn't big, but that's not all about Jesus, you know? Right. I don't know if you know that, Antushka. Tushka. <laughs> Well, the Christians would
0: say it is all about Jesus.
1: But. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, it's not all the primary source of Jesus. Right, right, right. Um yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the point is but it's true. I mean, I see what the point is is corroborating evidence for Jesus and everything well,
0: like that. Well, I just made me think of it because the translation I was reading, the before the apology, the translator has a note where he suggests that he thinks that it is actually a true dialogue. That it's sort of a historically accurate dialogue that Socrates probably did actually say this.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, he was apparently tried in front of like five hundred Athenians. Right. So there were a lot of people there, and and again, it's like, and they all wrote it down exactly the same. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I. But I will say, yeah, because I'm I'm not about to get into this. I shouldn't throw my hat into the, is Socrates real, is Jesus real argument? Because I don't really care, you know what I mean? It's like, I have no dog in that yeah. fight. And there's people who feel much more strongly about it. I think it's just interesting just to think of how, also just like some of the Jesus characteristics you can see mm-hmm. in, in um, which
0: yeah, I makes agree.
1: sense because of the Hellenization of the Roman Empire. You know, the Greeks were very, they were very much influential on how everybody that mm-hmm. was under the auspices of the Romans, were are thinking. Yep. And, which I guess is where Gnosticism and all that stuff comes from. Those Gnostics. Remember. Those Gnostics. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I guess the summary is, yeah, we already kind of did the summary that he is on trial for corrupting the youth and for not believing in God. And yeah. he speaks about that. So I guess we could just go into it unless you have any other points to make before.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that was that was about it that uh, that he he's a bad guy cuz he corrupted the youth and didn't believe in God. I have a list of kind of laying out his main rebuttals to those. I actually was not particularly impressed with him. Oh not yeah. Not that not that I think that these are reasons to put anybody to death. Mm-hmm. I think that The entire premise, the entire scene I'm imagining is truly ridiculous.
1: Well, yeah, and he even talks about how, you know, it's like we are such silly children, you know. He says that, like, before he dies, you know. Right. Because it's true. It's it's silly. (laughs) It is very silly. Uh, I kind of got Trump vibes from him. (laughs) Well... He is a gadfly, as he says, and I guess you could say Trump is a gadfly, somebody that sort of pushes against the it's social. It's sort of the order. way
0: he would make arguments about like I'm great, everybody says right. I'm great. Right. I just ask my
1: cousin; he no, says I'm the true. best ever. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, he's talking about how and all you guys will all like Socrates' revenge. <laughs> I, I have <laughs> yeah. it labeled at the end, he, where he's basically yeah. making a prophecy that, and, it's, and he's right in many ways that you know. What does he say? He says how essentially, you know, by killing him, the great Socrates, as he says, you know, you will have more critics whom up till now I have restrained without your knowing it. And being younger, they will be harsher to you and will cause you more annoyance. Yeah. Um, the best and easiest way is not to stop the mouths of others, but to make yourselves as good men as you can. This is my last message to you who voted for my condemnation. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think that that last bit is really the key and the most important thing to talk about is yeah. the, the question of acting, virtu- acting in a virtuous way or um, succumbing to what others want you to do or think is the right thing to do mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. But maybe I'm wrong. So here's, here's where I thought I wasn't very impressed with him. So, and I feel like you might correct me on some of these things. <laughs> I but don't know. in his refutation of the, the accusations, where he says, you know, Socrates is a bad influence on children or corrupting the youth or something like that, I, I had as his main refutation that Meletus doesn't care about the youth. He's pretending to care about the youth.
1: Um, that that is like his, how his, his, how
0: how can you claim that i am corrupting the youth when you don't care about the youth in the first place
1: uh yeah i think it was it was i think his central argument was more that he's not teaching anybody because that's where the corruption would come from mm-hmm. from like his teaching because yeah his central argument is that he has no wisdom and any wisdom he has is from knowing right. that he has no wisdom. This
0: was another question. I wanted to know what they meant by wisdom, because it seemed like they kept talking about knowledge, like what mm-hmm. I think of as knowledge, because he talks about artisans and people who you, right. know, you know, make things. They have great wisdom when it comes to making things. It seems like he's talking about knowledge, and I would say in modern English, we kind of separate knowledge and wisdom, at least somewhat.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get, because, yeah, uh, he's, this is actually one of my favorite parts in the beginning where he's laying out the people that have issues with him. And, mm-hmm. you know, he went to the politicians and he asked the politicians about things and they told him all right. sorts of things. But then when they would try to expand outside of that domain, he found out they were idiots. And then he went to the, right. the <laughs> poets and then he went to the craftsmen. It was the same right. thing. And, and so each, each one of his accusers is represented by one of these people too. Like, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I took it as, yeah, wisdom being extrapolating, I guess, outside into other domains of, of, I guess, you could say your primary knowledge, but again, I, I think he probably has a whole, you know, right, pr- right. has a whole dialogue on wisdom. I'm sure. And and in this case, I, I see what your point is, but you know, I'm taking it as the idea of sort of assuming that you know more about things because you're right. really good at something, right. at one thing, which mm-hmm. I think we all are guilty of. I mean, right. for sure. Except Socrates. Except for Socrates, yeah.
0: He does claim that he's the one human being, yeah. on Earth, yeah, or something well, he, like that.
1: I mean, he. I mean, he doesn't yes. say
0: Earth, but I think his his point is that he's the only one.
1: Well, he says that you know because of that the god of Delphi, right? right. And he he talks about his friend Sephiroth Sefer, <laughs> nah, Cepharphon, yeah, Cairephon, Cairephon, something like that. Okay, C H A E R E P H O N. Um, and he talks about how this person could corroborate, even though this person's dead, his son could potentially corroborate. that. Yeah, from a young age. <laughs> <laughs> people are saying that i was spoken to by the god of delphi that i am the only one that has wisdom because i know that i have no wisdom yeah yeah but yeah. yes i agree i mean it's it's quite yeah i mean this is why he was annoying there's no doubt about that <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> no doubt about that i mean honestly we should read nietzsche's take on socrates at some point cuz nietzsche did not like socrates nice there is a whole thing about that um yeah. It's at, yeah, whereas I'm quite conscious of my ignorance. So at any right. rate it seems that I am wiser than he is to this small extent and that uh that I do not think that I know what I do not know. Right. Um and yeah, so I have like the meat of of his uh sort of argument I think is right here in the beginning of the apology at like 23 around 23. You know The uh, stanza lines Or whatever But the truth of the matter Gentlemen Is pretty certainly this That real wisdom Is the property of God And this oracle Is his way of telling us That human wisdom Has little Or no value hmm Sure So I think it's just that Is that We just Wisdom is only Is, <laughs> is only known by God uh-huh. And And I think You know he, he, he makes reference To the oracle A few times Um which is really his demon, which is the thing, his conscience, is, as I right. think about it, right? right. The thing that yeah, yeah, I wrote never that. tells him what to do, but tells him what not to do. Right. So, but yeah, so, I mean, getting back to your question about the argument for the children, because, yeah, I mean, he sort of is taking him through, obviously, Socratically. To but I show, think doing a bad job. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, Sure. Um, I think- actually maybe it
0: has to do with a thought that I just had was his, his little je- his nuggets of sort of wisdom, I guess we could call it that, or his, his broad philosophical points, I think are very powerful and interesting. And I think that his refutations of the accusations are kind of stupid, but mm-hmm. I think it's possible that the accusations are kind of stupid on their face to begin with. And so exactly. it's kind of difficult to argue against such a ridiculous claim as you're corrupting the youth. Mm-hmm. Because what even is the refutation to that? What well, does that mean what in his, the first that's place?
1: What is, that's exactly what his point is, though, right. is when he's doing it. He's saying, who knows how to make a good person? Right. And, you know, um, and that's why he's using, like, the example of the horse... Trainer and and right. it, because honestly the answer is like who nobody really knows right right um, and and you know because then Melodis is making the point of well it's like it's the teachers or it's also everybody you mm-hmm. know and he's right. just basically just showing the illogic the illogical aspects of right. his argument in my mm-hmm. opinion right um, and I think it was similar
0: with the the disbelief in God. Yes. He had he had some weird circular thing where it's like by you saying that I don't believe in God, you're actually saying that I do believe in God kind of.
1: A well, thing. that I thought was actually a very good point though. He said like what person would believe in the activities of God and not believe in a God. He, he in my translation they're using like supernatural. Can right. it, would anybody believe in supernatural activities and not actually believe in sutra, right. the supernatural?
0: Yeah, I I I I mean I maybe I don't know. I think it's I think it's kind of a weird line because people can believe in any manner of things and I I feel like there is no way to prove what you do and don't believe. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't believe you don't believe something. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Right, exactly. Well, and, and yeah, again. Um and I think just the cuz cir- like in this he explicitly gets Meladis into right. a circular argument to right. contradict himself saying like he believes in a god, but he also doesn't believe in any gods. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that was, I think, the point of that. Right. But yeah, I mean, he also at the end is making the point that, you know, if he had more than a day, right. he could have potentially done better. But it's also like he, I don't know how much he was also trying to uh, defend himself. Because I, I and actually some of the most profound aspects of this, in my opinion, are his sort of philosophy of death, right, which... Goes into his philosophy of wisdom, which is like it's kind of stupid to be afraid of death because that's the same thing as being f- as extrapolating wisdom outside of yep. things that you just can't yeah, know about.
0: I, I highlighted that that, sa- that section about uh, fear of death.
1: I want to see if I can find it. Uh, I've got it right here. Oh, I've got one of them here. Okay. twenty nine. For let me tell you, gentlemen, that to be afraid of death is only another form of thinking that one is wise when one is not. It is to think that one knows what one does not know. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, That not possessing any real knowledge of what comes after death, I'm also conscious that I do not possess it.
0: Right. Oh, yes. And this made me think of another thing that's interesting um, because it doesn't seem at this time that they have a conception of hell as in like Dante's version of hell. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, And so then I was also thinking that there's something kind of politically expedient about Dante's version of hell for, uh, Catholic, for Catholicism and various forms of Christianity because having people like terrified of death to that extent is a great way to control them in this mm-hmm. life.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how I've looked at Catholicism, honestly, <laughs> or Christianity. It's right. been a control mechanism that came out of the Roman Empire as it sure. was falling. Um, yeah. 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 Nice. I, I absolutely agree.
0: We should have some Christians on and talk to them. <laughs> I love this
1: idea. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think hell,
0: especially, is a fascinating idea to me because there is not the, the at least the ancient jewish religion doesn't have that conception of hell mm-hmm. but islam does
1: hm islam know has
0: burning hellfire ala dante same kind of stuff
1: hm and that was always baked into it or was that also something that came later uh, on?
0: i believe it's it's it, there's verses
1: about it in the quran about uh, what will happen to the non-believers. Hmm. interesting yeah no i mean uh, yeah no there's a lot of interesting things with that I mean even just he's talking about uh, what is it um, I can't uh, it
0: <laughs> right he presents two options for what's going to happen when you
1: die oh yeah
0: yeah either it's going to be nothing and you're just dead and mm-hmm. that's like preferable even to living mm-hmm. according to yeah him. I know yeah <laughs> it's a game <laughs> right uh, or you, or see you all get your to friends. hang out with all the cool people who died before you. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like Homer. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's true. I mean I and, like that
0: those are the only two options. Again, we're down to two. It's so
1: unimaginative. It could be yeah, anything. It could be. Um, yeah. No. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of. I, I was just gonna say. He's quoting Anaxagoras. Uh-huh. Uh, cause you know, this is during the, the time where he's refuting Meletus about believing in gods. It's like, you surprised me, Meletus. What is your object in saying that, that I don't believe in gods, uh, do you suggest that I do not believe that the sun and moon are gods, as is the general belief of all mankind? And then he certainly does not, gentlemen of the jury, since he says that the sun is a stone and the moon a mass of earth. That's Meletus's reply, mm-hmm. which is interesting because like then Socrates is like, do you imagine that you're prosecuting Anaxagoras, my dear Meletus? Um And so it's just, that was a very small, not really essential part, but I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting that it's sort of, Emphasizes how we've had ideas about what the sun and moon were yeah. for a long time, right. um, And uh, yeah, yeah, we like to think that it wasn't until like Copernicus and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even in, in in Plato is talking about. I mean, some of the biggest. I don't know if you want to say corroborating evidence for Atlantis, but certainly Plato ends up talking about Atlantis as a thing that existed, you know, mm. past the Strait of. Gibraltar or whatever. Um, Yeah, which is, I think, where a lot of people think that there could have been some sort of civilization that existed. Mm -hmm. You know, in the Anunnaki, et cetera, et cetera. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah. um, Yeah, anyway. Anyway. uh, Let's see. So...
0: I'm curious about your thoughts on the idea of holding to your virtues all the way to death, because I think we've talked about this idea directly and indirectly multiple times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's yeah. a, it's a it's a challenging idea because it's sort mm-hmm. of scary.
1: Yeah and, yeah,
0: and we don't. I mean, I don't really know that many people who. Who hold that strongly to that? I mean, w- we probably each have things that we've done based on the principle of the matter, and there's things that we let go because of the because it's sort of expedient for some reason, even if it goes against our principles. I think. So, it's, what what do you think about it as as a, sort of a, a pinnacle of virtue?
1: Uh, well, it's. I think it is admirable and I but I think it's what Socrates is doing is slightly different than what most of us do, because his central virtue is that he knows nothing. Whereas uh, most people, when they're holding on to virtues, is saying that they know that this is the thing. Mm-hmm. You know? And you could say that there's a contradiction, but I think that actually it's like the more I think about reality, the more I feel like if you start to hone in on the paradoxes, then mm-hmm. you're sort of butting up against the scaffolds of reality, which is why I think his philosophy is so powerful Mm -hmm. because, because yeah, I mean, it's just, I think holding the virtue that you are always going to be ignorant is a very good one to hold and potentially the most important one. And that's why I like the apology so much. And I don't know if it's evidence from this podcast of how I talk, but I definitely, I think that is a central virtue for me. If I had any, it's probably that I constantly think that I'm an idiot. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: nice, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I I agree that his central point is that he doesn't know anything. Um, well, it's his central virtue. Right, right, sure, sure, sure. His central virtue, um,
1: or his keystone. I don't
0: but know. there's there's other important virtues that he that I think stem from that that inform his decision-making, like when he decides to go home instead of going to arrest the guy to be put to death.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that virtue is his oracle, I would right. say. Which, yeah, but I would say those are sort of secondary. Right, but the,
0: the decision to follow your own moral compass at the... potentially toward the detriment of yourself... Because he even talks
1: about how he could have been arrested for that
0: mm-hmm. and maybe should have been.
1: Yeah, it's a good question because it's like, then this is where Socrates, the, the man, becomes mm-hmm. a more complicated picture. Because I think that it's very admirable to do that at his stage. It's, it's admirable to do that at any stage, but there's something to be said about not doing it <laughs> earlier in your life as much. Right, Because, I mean, he was able to get to the age of 70, I'm sure, because he wasn't actually living this way.
0: Well, he talks about that early on where he doesn't or hasn't spent much time engaging in political discourse and with politicians. Mm -hmm. His conscience is telling him not to, probably because by doing so, he would find himself in the kind of trouble that would not allow him to Mm -hmm. live out his life.
1: Yeah, no, I mean... Yes. No, it's, it's, I think in principle, it's great. In practice, it's, it's difficult. Mm
0: -hmm. But I
1: think that we all, you know, I certainly try to do it to the extent that I can. But yeah, I mean, you already know I have opinions about things that I just withhold from the public sphere, because I know it's just, it's like, it's not really worth the hassle at this point. Right. Um, but at some point, it will be. It's just depending on when that will be, I guess, <laughs> is the question. Um, yeah. Because that's, I guess, what my point probably is. Probably not.
0: There's probably always going to be opinions that you hold that won't be worth the hassle.
1: Maybe, but maybe not. Um, I, guess, I have I guess, a hard time
0: imagining somebody completely free.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could argue that that's what Socrates is. But yeah, at the same time, yeah, you Socrates, also-
0: maybe, but he's the one. He already said it.
1: Right, 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 right. Well, and I think we can all agree Socrates is basically just autistic. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, yeah, because it, it is, a se- there's a sense of not conforming to social norms too, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> of holding your tongue, like that's kind of what you're doing when you're speaking your mind when in a setting where maybe you should hold your tongue. Right. And, and it's a question of... And what it, it should mean? Well, and that's the, and also, what is the? Is it as virtuous if you literally just can't hold your tongue? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. If you ha- yeah, no, it's not. I would say. Um,
0: I, it, it's the same thing about how being being nonviolent because you're scared is not the same as choosing to be nonviolent even if you have the capacity to. Right. One right. is cowardice, and one is strength.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, uh, and I was just going to say, it's like my conception would be Socrates wasn't living this fully when he was, like, for instance, my age. you know? Right. Uh, the ripe age. He was pretending he knew things he didn't know. Yeah, I think probably. But <laughs> we just don't know that person because that is lost in history because that was, right. like, 440 BCE. He fought in the Peloponnesian War, mm-hmm. you know, uh, supposedly, so um, yeah, I imagine that he was a much different man mm-hmm. than if he had, you know assuming that he was actually a person right right and uh and yeah, it's just uh you know you look at people especially in this age and and there is something admirable about somebody that just goes online and puts everything out there, mm-hmm. right, and I think that people. Do flock to that. I mean, Andrew Schultz talks about this, the comedian, of like mm-hmm. people kind of want to see you walk through fire as right. like a test, and if you if you do it and you come out, then you'll have a lot more people supporting you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and but but there's I think there is a timing to that. Yes, and and it just depends on. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem though, is because you know. <laughs> It's like Socrates is probably okay with dying at this point in his life because he already has a right. very He's basically gotten out all of his thoughts, most mm-hmm. of them, all the thoughts that he feels like he needs to. He's been doing this for decades. Right. Just, you know, messing with people. He's got kids, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, so it's admirable, but it is a little bit less admirable than if he was, like, a 31-year-old and doing it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. honestly. Right. Because you just... So, point one, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they, do, they do
0: seem really similar to me. That was the other thing is yeah. I was listening to him, and the way that he's challenging mm-hmm. feels very... Uh, Jesus-like. Messianic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I, I, I agree completely. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, and it's this other point. That's why I brought up all the historical context, because, I mean, certainly the historical context of Jesus is very important. You know, the occupation by the mm-hmm. Romans of Judea and everything like that is why you had, and I mean, this is what Reza Aslan writes about in Zealot, his book of just, mm-hmm. you had a lot of Messianic people. It's just Jesus was, for whatever reason, the most po- popular that sort of had staying power. Right. Um, for whatever for, reason. I guess some might say it's because he's God. Because <laughs> he was under the right eye. <laughs> because he was God. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a reason. Yeah, oh, man, we are just uh, hellfire today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but, and and, but this, ends I guess the point I'm making though is like Socrates again was coming at this. I mean, it was a really hard time in Athens. They mm-hmm. were just like it was. They were just defeated by Sparta. I mean, you know, within the last decade, and then you had essentially the government collapsed twice, right? Um, and so there was probably a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. And mm-hmm. it's in those periods that I think you find people like this, you, you find the Messianic people will rise up mm-hmm. because people are right. maybe looking for that too. They're looking for guidance in the chaos. Right. And and yeah, so I agree completely that there's a lot of similarities. And and this is, I think there's absolutely was influence of the Greeks. I mean, again, this is, this is why right. they call it Hellenism of Rome, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, um, and 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 yeah. Sorry, I'll just and and just again. Aristotle was the philosopher, the court philosopher of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great of Macedonia that came in, you know, whatever th- the early three hundred BCE. So like a generation or two after Socrates died, right. took over everything and then but spread the learning of the Greeks. So right, yeah. Sorry. What? Sorry. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> sorry, we're talking I'm not sorry. on a podcast. <laughs> no, but what were you going to say? I keep interrupting.
0: Uh, well, I think I think I was. Uh, I'm I'm pushing the point a little further uh, about acting according to your principles or what you feel is virtuous. Because we had a conversation like five or eight episodes ago or something about should people act according to their own moral compass. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we landed somewhere different on that because yes. it's not that I agree with everybody's moral compass, but I think that the best, personally, I would say the best situation is everybody acting according to their own moral compass rather than submitting to like random other people's moral compasses mm-hmm. or some weird group moral compass. And to me, this this text can be... Lifted from uh, the text that we read this week, the the apology can mm-hmm. be lifted from the historical context almost entirely to be a narrative about just that, about the sort of the tyranny of the majority <laughs> versus the individual personal moral compass, and Socrates is resisting and he's saying no, I will not bend. It's mm-hmm. interesting, you know, vis a vis the. Uh, the Rose Wilder Lane readings about how like you cannot be made to act. You cannot be a slave kind of a thing if yeah. if you do not give the consent of your will. And essentially, mm-hmm. that's what Socrates is doing and saying.
1: Right. Yeah, no, the reason I think, if I remember, because I think I was coming off on more of the point that it's complicated. Yeah. Of, And the reason is because it's like, your moral compass isn't even only to you. I mean, it's like your moral compass is shaped by your community, your interactions, what you read. It's like, right. even though you're not taking stock of all that, all of right. that is being aggregated by your brain to sure. make the moral compass that you have, and which is why it changes over uh-huh. time too. So that's why I think it's tricky because it's like, I, I but you know what? I do think, and, and that's also why I feel like Maybe I only agree with that idea when the moral compass is that you accept that you're an idiot because it's- Sure. Because, because- Ah, nice. Yes. Because as soon as you start thinking that you know the way, that's when you get the evangelism and then that's when mm. you get the tyranny, you know? Nice. Yes.
0: I like that, uh, that little caveat. You should follow your only mor your you should follow your own moral compass, providing yes. <laughs> that you know Think that you idiot. don't know anything. <laughs>
1: exactly. Because then you're at least going to be careful. Right? And I feel like yeah. that's the big like thing it. that Socrates gets at, and that's why I like this so much. And and that's why it's been so influential on me. Because mm-hmm. I really do try to live that. Um right. is it's and especially in the field that i'm in it's just it's full of people that think they know everything mm-hmm. and and it's true as you can push up against any expert to find the limits of their knowledge and some people the the honest ones will admit it but the the dishonest ones will will sort right. of just <laughs> you know they won't and then they'll also confabulate and stuff like that right but this um, is it actually and then it becomes difficult to
0: argue with them mm
1: mm-hmm. mhm or, they'll, it, yeah, they'll probably cocoon themselves in jargon right. is what I think mm-hmm. most people do. I, a, a funny side story. I saw this. I don't know if you happened
0: to see it on Reddit. I think I, I made a silly comment on it. But somebody oh, asked AI, like some like a Google one or something like that. Hmm. Uh, this is a, a music theory music theory nerd question, by the way, <laughs> just as a warning. Uh-oh. What's the flat seven of E? So the answer is D, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely. Anybody who knows music, it's D. D sharp is major seven. D natural flat seven. It had this crazy argument about how it was B flat, Mm. and it was using like really jargony terms. It was like, well, what you have to do is you have to take into account the harmonic minor of (laughs) E, which would have D sharp in it, and then D-sharp would have a triad, G-sharp, G-sharp, blah, 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 which would be re-spelled as B-flat. And nothing it was saying was right. It wasn't even naming chords right, but it, was, it had this incredibly complex jargony answer, which like you might think made sense if you didn't know any music theory. And it was right. the weirdest thing. And the person corrected it, and then it started to get all snippy. <laughs> and it was like, well, I think you need to do more reading And it suggested these texts And
1: stuff right. like that It was Yeah, it was sounds really like me weird. when I was telling you to do more reading <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah. but the jargon It's exactly what you're saying yep, It couched exactly. itself
0: in jargon yes. When it was yes. just flat out wrong
1: Yes, yes, yes And I see that all the time In my field uh, and, and I think every field And I think that's A lot of what he's pushing back against and I think is the most powerful argument about that I think you can get from Plato's writings Mm -hmm. is the idea of accepting that the limits of your own understandings and and yeah constantly questioning it's like do I do I really know this is this is the right path and I think if more people did that Mm -hmm. I do like to you know because I think The opposite to that would be like, well, you know, you have to have confidence in certain things or else nothing's going to get done. But it's Mm -hmm. not saying that you can't be sure about things after you have really thought about them, which is the purpose of the Socratic dialogue, I guess, in in this point is you sort of reason through things to try to get to what the beliefs are. Uh, And in some cases, when you do that, you will find out that there really is no answer, like in the case of justice, right? And whatnot, Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So then, how do you feel then? Uh, Because you were pushing up, you know, Mm -hmm. you posed it to me about the. I guess you still feel that everybody should act on their own virtue, but I mean, I think that acting according.
0: I don't. I don't know, because there's. I don't know what the value of virtue is because I don't live a life where I believe that I am trying to please a God or any sort, any group of gods. So I don't. Sure. You don't. <laughs> sure. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't live with that as a principle. And so I struggle between sort of the hedonism of doing what's practical to stay alive or to thrive or whatever and the, the sense that I have that it's important to do what's virtuous. Yeah. Well, and, and so if I, if I can you know, be dishonest and make a little bit more money or something like that, um, I don't think that's a good thing to do. I personally feel like being dishonest is a really, really negative thing to do. Not that I don't engage in it. But I just don't think it's a good, like it doesn't feel like it's good for me. It feels unhealthy.
1: Well, that's interesting because I just have this open here. It's in the twenty-eight section twenty-eight. He has only one thing to consider in performing any action. He being just any person. Right. That is whether they are acting rightly or wrongly, like a good person or a bad one. Right.
0: But the funny thing
1: is, I don't think of good people and bad people. But it's you know this is why he talks about his oracle though. Because it's this idea that you sort of do know, though, right? And here's where he's talking about his oracle in section 31D. It began in my early childhood, a sort of voice which comes to me, and when it comes, it always dissuades me from what I'm proposing to do and never urges me on, right? Right. And it's it's this idea that we all, I think, do know when we're acting in accordance with whatever that voice is in our head. I think that's risky, though. Because I mean, maybe
0: here's the th- here's where I, I struggle with it though. Because I know a lot of people who believe things. Almost everybody I know believes things that I think are really really bad. Taxation, for example. <laughs> I don't know almost anybody who agrees with me that taxation is plain out theft and a yeah, terrible. These are thing. very higher. I think order it's a things. really bad thing that's akin to yes. slavery, but it's sure. such a common belief of people that's... I know and like. And love <laughs> that i
1: don 't actually think that they are bad people, well, and I would argue that that's a very higher order thing, and I guess maybe that's the point is like it's talking because they're not also not the one that are implementing the taxation too right, but so, I also
0: know people who think that lying isn't always bad, and I don't know mm-hmm. where I think on that, and I don't think they're bad people or people who believe in all sorts of like communistic things and stuff that I think is very negative that if they had their way and they implemented it, the world would be a much worse place. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they that they are bad people, I guess. I think yes. it's similar to what you yes. were saying yeah, yeah. before about how everybody's conscience is mm-hmm. sort of made up of a whole bunch of experiences and things they've read and things they've learned and things that have been told to them and blah, 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 this whole thing. And so this is where... I don't know that I'm right. And this is where Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have the, I don't think I have the ability to decide if somebody is a bad person or not.
1: It's a good question though, because it's like, I was going to make this point though, is that, you know, and and again, I think the taxation point's a tricky one because there's a lot of layers to that, that I think- I just bring it up because it's
0: obvious that I'm one of the few people-
1: I understand no, I know that. But I, I guess what I'm saying is talking about more primary- actions that people are doing. And that's my point is like, they're mm. not doing the taxation, right? They're, they're sort of having to go along with it. So you'd more right. want to talk about who's the person that's actually collecting the tax and is the guilt, do they feel any sort of guilt from that? And my point is whether or not it's conscious, right? there are manifestations of anxiety that we have that anybody that's in the medical field will know, and we probably call them iatrogenic or idiopathic. We call them idiopathic, not iatrogenic. What does that mean? I don't know either word. Uh, Iatrogenic would be that it's caused by, like, the doctors giving some prescription, um, and then, you know, it's a result of a treatment, uh, some sort of disorder. So I I misspoke. I didn't mean to say iatrogenic. I meant to say idiopathic, which is the idea that we don't know what Maybe I missed of.
0: the beginning. What are we saying is a result?
1: I'm saying things? that there's a lot of diseases. People will come in with ah, diseases with see. no seeming understanding of what's causing it. Right. And I wonder, to a mm-hmm. limit. I'm not saying everything is this. Ah, I see. But I'm You're saying, saying I wonder. Is by. No, actually, <laughs> I'm saying actually probably the autistic person has the least amount of this because again, I think part of Autism is almost just not being able to hold your tongue and you just are always, you're speaking your mind all the time. Okay. You know, so you're being actually in many ways more honest than most people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the idea of like inflammatory bowel disease, for instance, which is rampant, right? And again, there's a lot of ideas of what could be causing this. Uh Um, But it's just, I definitely feel the more stressed I get, it's manifested in my stomach. And sure, is that a cause of me acting dishonestly or is just a cause of stress or can it not be both, etc. And it's this whole I mean this isn't mm-hmm. anything uh mm. unknown. It's the idea that, you know, people say this all the time, like whether or not you know somebody actually gets uh found out for some horrible thing that they do, they mm-hmm. will face judgment of some kind because their mm. body mm-hmm. will not let them live with sure. It. And I think that we all do have these little sort of manifestations when we don't act in accordance with the voice. Now, I agree the voice isn't ne- in our head isn't necessarily uniform. Like, we have no way of really knowing that. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting question of whether it's not. Because it's like you bring up even Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. and, who was a serial killer who was horrible, and, but he was not living a very happy life. And also, right. he was, he was uh, constantly trying to drink himself into a stupor. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder with everybody that sort of drinks themselves in the stupor when they're trying, what are you doing when you get drunk is you're turning off that voice in many mm. senses. And so this is my point too, is that we use a lot of things to also just shut that voice out. Mm. So anyway, sure. it's a very complicated question is I guess what I'm getting at. <laughs> I threw a lot out there. I'm not saying that IBS is caused by you know, this, but it certainly seems to have some degree I'll to be caused it. by anxiety and whatnot. And we also just don't really understand it. And right. it's a very common thing in our society right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So wait, what were those two words? Uh, idiopathic, which is the idea, which is what I was really getting at is the idea that, you know, people come in with diseases that we can't understand so, the would
0: the statement that autism is caused by vaccines or something, I'm not, I don't believe that. <laughs> is, would that be an example of that?
1: Uh, no. Okay. Uh, well, saying that it was... Co- no, because you're saying that it's caused by something. That would be iatrogenic, if that's actually true. Okay. Because but that was one the of the idea- words you
0: used, right? Yes.
1: Uh, yes. Okay. The second word was iatrogenic,
0: I which see. is... Which and the is, first one is that we don't know what causes it. Exactly. It's, yeah. just, it's happening and we don't know
1: why. Yes. I'm not saying it is iatrogenic. So that's probably. like most stuff. <laughs> um, idiopathic? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But I would also argue must lots of stuff is actually probably iatrogenic too because everybody's on such big just concoctions of cocktails that it's like we don't know how... Like when you do a study... <laughs> right on a on an animal mm-hmm. you're testing like in very controlled settings and of right. course yes everything is run under clinical trials but in reality people are on four or five drugs vitamins mm-hmm. supplements dietary differences right it's very complicated and so um yeah we have obviously some understanding of drug interactions especially the very important ones but There's a lot of just insidious drug interactions that make me wonder. That's all I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you'll say? Yeah. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to become my full Socratic form yet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (sighs) Well, that's
0: cool. Let's hope. Well, I know I said that's cool.
1: Oh, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I don't know. I'm not trying to drink any hemlock anytime soon. You know what yeah, I'm saying? <laughs>
0: you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, so what, what else?
0: What else is interesting about it? Um, I feel like I hit all the stuff I was trying to hit.
1: Yeah, I mean, the oligarchy replacing democracy point, I thought that was interesting, but we talked about that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that he was a councilman, Mm-hmm. At one point, you know, getting... The, and I talked about that, but, you know, during the, the rule of the 30, right. um, the tyrannical 30, as there's some called, mm-hmm. sometimes called, you know, he was... Yeah, and this was just an example of how he will still, despite outside pressure, he'll still sort of work to what he thinks is right. right. Um, yeah, and and I think his fundamental point about corrupting the youth... And corrupting people in general is that he has just been on this quest, this private quest, as he says, to go and quiz people about their wisdom, essentially, as annoying as it might sound. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he's just saying, you know, people, the youth just followed me because it was entertaining, essentially. But I've never... Tried to teach them, they just hang around me. <laughs> they are just taught by me. Sorry, yeah. no, but he's saying I haven't ever explicitly taught them. You know, he's, right. um, since I have never promised or impaired any teaching to anybody, and if anyone asserts that he has ever learned or heard me privately anything, uh, heard from me privately anything which was not open to everyone else. You may, be, you may be quite sure that he is not telling the truth. So that's the idea that he's... I mean, and you see this in his dialogues. Most of his dialogues, there's, like, more than just one person there. Right. You know, it's generally I in also the po- get the sense you know. he could just be lying. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: he could just yeah. be, like, completely bullshitting.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, and again, Plato was obviously very biased here. He liked right. Socrates. Um, yeah. But yeah, I have this as Socrates' chief goal. I tried to persuade each one of you not to think more of practical advantages than of his mental and moral well-being, or in general to think more of advantage than of well-being in the case of the state or of anything else. Um, So, basically, just going back to that idea of doing good, Mm -hmm. you know, and in yeah. But yeah, I thought you probably would find it interesting because he is very much a statist. Right. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that. Uh... Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, his whole thing too is like at, uh, we didn't read this, but in Fido, Phaedo, however you pronounce it, which is where they actually document mm-hmm. Socrates' death. Um, he is, uh, you know, they they try to, they're like, hey, man, we can get you out of here. We'll bribe the guards, like, and you know, he's like, nah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> I'm gonna die, damn it. <laughs> yeah. And and so it be and one of his things is it's like, you know, I'm a lawful person. I'm gonna it is it is the duty of any lawful right. person to follow the laws or persuade people that the laws right. are not right. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Uh I mean I don't
0: I don't agree. But I think it's a it's a wild stance. It's one of those things that it's, it feels very Jesus-y again to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it almost doesn't feel like a real person. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's, he's an archetype um, signaling some ultimate paragon of virtue.
1: Definitely. I think, it, yeah, we are very jaded in the modern world because it's like nobody, I feel like, can really be held up to this sort of supreme ideal anymore because we know so much about everybody.
0: But I think that's the idea of Jesus also, that it's impossible for any human to be held to
1: that standard. That's why only God can do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you know the background of Mary? (laughs) 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 Let me guess. She had a lot of sex. Uh, I don't know. People are saying. <laughs> um, yeah, no, exactly. Whatever, the cast the first stone right. thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, but um, I agree. I agree. I don't, I don't
0: agree with... I, my principle with respect to laws is that... Um, I at least somewhat align with the basis that laws should be there to uphold the rights of citizens first and foremost. And mm-hmm. so any laws that are cutting against the rights of citizens are not actually, quote, lawful in a true sense. Mm-hmm. So like speed limits and stuff like that, like <laughs> arbitrary laws that have a lot more to do with the bureaucracy of the state and people controlling one another. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, and this is where it gets difficult in practice, right? Right. I would say. Um, but, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and you know, again, it's like sort of touching back on our anarchy conversations. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, because whether or not you agree with democracy or whatever, mm-hmm. um, Athens, at, especially during Socrates' time, was sort of at... One of its cultural heights. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, when Plato was living and Aristotle, that was also good. But slowly, right? Uh, Athens was not; be- they were not the same power that they were, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's just interesting that you do see again in a society that becomes more egalitarian and free. Ultimately, there's some barbaric neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Sparta that comes in <laughs> you know and just dude, and the Spartans ruins it are be so mad at you. dude yeah i know uh, but you know it whatever you want to call them or you want to call it like rome and the barbarian you know like goth right Right. or the what visigoths what does barbarian mean where does that come from i think it comes from them i mean cuz they are the greeks basically anybody that wasn't greek was barbarian in the greek eyes what size. Is ba-
0: barbarian like barber like barbary
1: coast Oh, yeah, I don't know if that's the etymology. I don't know. Yeah. Who are the barbarians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But but I guess that's what I'm saying, though, is is with the anarchy conversations, you know, it's like I want to, I, I kind of feel and agree that anarchism is kind of an ideal in that it will maximize people's freedom, individual freedom. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the reason people have organized in the larger and larger states is because if you can, the larger the state you can organize, the more powerful you'll be to Mm. defend against an outside aggressor. Right. Um, Yeah. So it's just, it seems to me for anarchy to work, everybody would need to be anarchist, I guess is the point. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds close to right, at least. Nice. Nice, nice. Who are, <laughs> who are the barbarians? Did you? <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I looked it up. I think I actually learned this in uh, in a European history class, but uh, it's just a word that meant non-Roman, non-Greek people. Right. Uh, it was like a slur. It's a
1: yeah. It's like
0: a racial slur, mostly yeah. referring to the Germanic people in the mm-hmm. north. Oh yeah. Because I guess they said that they they used to make fun of them because like they say bar 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 like making <laughs> further accent.
1: Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, no, I mean exactly. I mean and I think it was the Greeks I thought they were the ones that started it and then the Romans obviously once they civil cuz I mean the you would say the the Romans were sort of relatively uncivilized at this stage. Mm-hmm. They were still an empire but they weren't, you know, you know, whatever. Right.
0: Well, it's not even a word that's that old. It's from the late 14th century.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Well no but I mean they—they they, Again and this is why Are we talking about The actual word barbarian Or are we talking about Yeah, yeah the again, actual word
0: barbarian
1: Yeah because Greeks again make, They make reference to barbarians In here in Plato's writings even As nice. just anybody Like in Macedonia for instance right. Or in you know the Balkans
0: Right I wonder uh, what those, the word is in Greek Yeah I don't know I I found a cool translation that every other page is the Greek. Oh, interesting! Of the the apology, but I, I mean I can't read it. So.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, you know. Now with that attitude, <laughs> yeah, the, um, I can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so what do you want to read next? Do you want to read? I, I mean, mean I think we've pretty much exhausted this, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so. not too complicated, and I think the main the main thing I wanted to sort of communicate to the world was that idea of. You know, assume that you don't know anything. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we can also do re-
0: engage more on Reddit, please. Oh, yeah. Just everybody? Yeah, everybody.
1: Yeah. 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 You don't like the lurkers? <laughs> well, I didn't have much engagement this week. So. Well, yeah, your, your question wasn't very controversial. I couldn't think of a controversial question. No, no, and I, I didn't think, I was honestly wondering if last episode would be one, because it did, like I was saying, it, anal, the analytics were okay without actually yeah. pushing anything. Um, so, yeah. so yep. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we can think of something for this one. I don't know. Like,
0: this one will be easier.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already have yeah.
0: ideas. It's fine.
1: Yeah, because you were also like posting in, I feel like, less controversial subreddits. Like they were it's like true. Music I, did get, I
0: did get a, a ninety-day ban from one of the subreddits.
1: Was it the history one?
0: No, no. It was like music. This is our music Talk <laughs> Music, music <laughs> conversations. I don't know. Something like that. It's because they don't allow self-promotion.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Who cares? That's funny. They banned <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what should we do next? Exactly. Maybe like Plato's Republic, I was thinking, or there's one where he talks about actually words. I'd Mm, have to go back and remember. Yeah, it's kind of a long one if I remember though. Mm. Um, But he talks about etymology and and stuff like that, and how important it is, Mm -hmm. and it makes you kind of wonder about English and 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 stuff like that. You know, it makes you think about where these sounds, the phonemes, actually come from and what the meaning behind is and how it affects our perception of the world mm-hmm. and maybe also explains our perception of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But potentially, I think The Republic would be a good one to go sure. to next. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So obviously, we probably shouldn't read all the books. Um, I was actually thinking, I think he talks about, uh, you know, if we want to do like The Cave, that's in, I think, book uh, mm-hmm. 7. Just do we'll, the hits. Oh yeah, if we want to do justice, that's the first book.
0: I think justice is a good one. Yeah, because that word gets
1: tossed around a lot these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could do that. Um, I think he talks about property in the second one a mm. little bit. Property. Yeah. So it's like we can we can do uh, what we can say is we'll do the first book definitely, and then if you okay. want to read more, because I'll probably read more at the holidays. So sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I probably won't read anything this week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, do you have a lot of gigs? Or are you... No, no, I'm
0: flying up to Wisconsin tomorrow.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And I've been
0: sick. I had to cancel my gigs this last weekend.
1: Man. Yeah, you filmed... I still have a sore throat. It's crazy. Really? Man. I don't know what it is. Rhinovirus. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Something's going around. My dad's been sick for a while too oh dang yeah hey, he's he's better too though anyway that's good tmi you know yeah right <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think we did it i do too uh yeah any reddit discussions i guess we no, yeah, i mean just what,
0: one person commented the one thing we didn't talk about last week which we could have which we should have, since we were talking about famous arrangements and stuff, was Ravel.
1: Yeah, I saw that comment actually. That but was a, I good think comment. a really
0: good comment. We didn't like yeah. the pictures at an exhibition. Is a do you want to explain the context work, of it?
1: But... You want to explain hmm? the context? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, last week we were talking about music arranging, and uh, <laughs> Ravel is known for a famous orchestration of Mussorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition, which is originally a cycle of pieces for piano. And Ravel orchestrated it out for full orchestra, and one thing we didn't really talk about orchestration as a form of transmission, other than Stokowski. We did, I guess, with Stokowski and Box Toccata and Fugue. Um, but what's what's interesting about Ravel's version is Ravel the orchestra version is probably more famous than Mazursky's original version, and uh, they're kind of seen as equally. Artistically valid versions of the same piece,
1: right? Yeah, no, I thought that was a great point that that person brought up. Yep, um, yeah. Or you know, to a modern context, you think of uh, Mad World by Tears for Fears. Oh yeah, but right. everybody... covers.
0: We didn't, we kind of talked about covers, yeah, with respect to copyright, but not with, <laughs> not as a practice.
1: I kept steel arming the conversation back to that or whatever, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All yeah. Right. I think. All right. Well, see you. Goodbye. See
0: you.